Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. My family and I are planning to take a special road trip in June. We will be driving all the way to Tacoma, Washington for my niece's high school graduation. Google Maps says this will take 22 hours of driving time. But with a rented camper, three kids, and a dog in tow, this journey will no doubt take a little longer. I don't know why you guys keep laughing. <laughs> I am excited for this trip as I start the process of planning our vacation because it's not just going to be getting to the final destination that matters. A trip like this is all about the journey. So many beautiful sights along the way as we travel through Bozeman, Missoula, Coeur d'Alene, and Spokane. Where will we stay? What will we see? Who will we meet? What will we eat? These possibilities are thrilling, and planning and preparing for a trip like this one is very much part of the fun. In today's reading from Isaiah 35, the prophet speaks to a people longing in exile, and he says, get ready for the trip of a lifetime. This is no ordinary journey. The Lord is announcing deliverance to his people Israel. He will bring them out from a foreign land back to a place of belonging and home. This announcement of their return is expressed through the language of travel along a holy highway. Springs of water bursting forth in the ground which had once been so dry. All shall travel safely there without fear. Not one of God's chosen people shall be lost along this road to salvation. The ransomed of the Lord shall return to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be on their heads Sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Luther Seminary professor Michael Chan says this, Passages like Isaiah 35 offer a remarkable opportunity to remind Christians that through faith in Christ, Israel's story has also become our story. God has not exiled us to the consequences of our sin, but has set us on the path to salvation through his Son, Jesus Christ. Long ago, God set his exiled people on a joyful procession to Zion. We too have been promised deliverance from this world to the next. As we count down the days to Christmas, the activity of Christ, our Redeemer, should be first and foremost on our minds. Together with all God's people, let us sing to God with grateful hearts. Salvation is ours. The journey has just begun. There comes a time in every journey where we lose 
patience. The children squabble. The dog barks. The camper gets a flat tire. One's bladder becomes uncomfortably full. Another's back is aching. And everyone in the van becomes bored and testy. These are not the moments we think about when putting together our travel plans, but they are very much part of the experience. So it is with this time of Advent as we lean toward Christmas, and so is life. The road gets long, and we are forced to wait. Waiting can be so hard. We want to be in the promised land now. In our impatience with the journey, we can act out in so many ways, not the least of which is grumbling against each other, which the Apostle James describes in today's New Testament lesson. Yes, waiting can be excruciating, and yet, the power of God can transform our periods of waiting into something sacred and holy. In this month's issue of Gather Magazine, the publication of the women of the ELCA, Pastor Jordan Miller Steubendeck tells the story of a woman named Debbie. Debbie, was a patient at a hospital where Pastor Jordan served as a chaplain, and Debbie was waiting for a double lung transplant that could prolong her life. Pastor Jordan visited Debbie frequently during the months she was in the ICU. One day, the pastor asked Debbie how she was handling this time of intense and prolonged waiting. Debbie thought for a moment and then said, I have faith. I don't believe that my waiting is in vain. I don't know if I'll get this double lung transplant that I want so much. But today, today, I feel the presence of God through my family my friends, the hospital staff, and the fact that despite all odds, I'm still alive. Pastor Jordan shared this story to illustrate the way that God's presence faithfully visits us in times of waiting and added this powerful insight. Waiting can be a time of turning God's promises over in our hands. In times of waiting, may you too be blessed by the power of God. Be patient, therefore, until the coming of the Lord, writes James. Strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is near. The idea of travel is a luxury not afforded to all people. It takes an amount of privilege to embark on a journey like the one my family and I plan to take next summer.
In order to travel, you need to have financial resources, freedom to travel, safe roads, and good health. There are people in this world, and certainly even in this room, that do not currently have such the means. John the Baptist started his ministry in the wide open spaces of the desert wilderness, preaching a message of repentance to his people, preparing the way for Jesus Christ. I don't know what kind of future John ever imagined for himself, but it probably did not involve a cushy retirement plan or luxury travel. By the time we get to this point in Matthew's Gospel, John the Baptist found himself in a cold, dark jail cell. Just a few chapters later, John would be beheaded for the threat he presented to the ruling powers. When it comes to prophets, no one was greater than John the Baptist. Jesus himself said so. But imprisonment has an effect on people, and being in prison for over a year had an effect on John the Baptist. This great man who was known as the voice crying out in the wilderness is now alone in an echoing cell, and now he has more questions than answers. John gets a message out to Jesus, and it's clear that he is struggling. Are you the one who is to come, or should we wait for another? Jesus does not scold John for his lack of faith. Rather, he sends messengers back with a word of preaching meant to uplift and strengthen John's weary soul. Go and tell John, Jesus says to these messengers, go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind are receiving their sight, the lame are walking, the lepers are being cleansed, the ears of the deaf are being opened, the dead are being raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. Jesus' message to John is one of reassurance and encouragement. It's not a simple, yes, I'm the one you've been waiting for. Instead, he uses the messengers to testify to what they themselves have observed. The prophecies of the Old Testament, including some from Isaiah 35, are being fulfilled in their presence among most especially the marginalized of society. This testimony is meant to reaffirm John's faith in Jesus. But what this testimony also does is help John experience something more than his own present suffering. John's reality in prison doesn't outwardly change when he receives word of the blind receiving sight, the lame walking, the dead being raised, and so forth. But by this witness of what Jesus is doing in the world, John can know that the word of God is being fulfilled as promised 
and it's happening most especially among those who have been cast aside by the rest of the world. Strengthened by this comforting knowledge, John can endure all that is to come. God has not forgotten those on the edges. God's reign is being fulfilled in them, and so God will not forget John. John in his lonely time of need, but will deliver him to a good end through the powerful work of his son. This becomes not just good news for John personally, but for the whole suffering world. This is the hope we hold most dear at Christmas. The reason Christ put on flesh and lived among us was to put a final end to the suffering, sin, and death that afflicts us so. In the midst of your affliction, imprisonment, and sorrow, hear this good news. Christ is the one in whom our salvation has been accomplished.